All right. Well, good evening, everybody out there in live feed land. You are on the Parkway Baptist Church live feed, either on Facebook Live or through the website. So we yes, are glad yes, that you're yes. joining us tonight. We're going to be in the book of Daniel. 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 And we are um, using a workbook called Dr. Alan Stringfellow. And tonight, we, and we go through that book pretty much verbatim. And so if you have that, just go ahead and get that out. And I literally take the workbook and I've typed it into a PowerPoint presentation, which you will see up there just as soon as I can get it up there. Go ahead and do that now. And we will look at this wonderful book. Who here has read Daniel before? Raise your hand. All right. Everybody loves Daniel, right? It, it's just, there's just something special. I mean, there's something special about every book of the Bible. We've got to be careful about showing favoritism on books of the Bible. But there's just something special about Daniel, is there not? Yeah. You yeah. feel like you know him. Absolutely. You? you feel like you kind of know him after, right. It's, right. after it's over. And you just kind of are in awe of his. It's almost a little bit like Ezekiel in his first vision. You yeah. know, it's like you kind of have some kind of inspir- you like awe when you look at his mm-hmm. visions. And the same with Daniel. I mean, this, you get these stories of, like, renown. Yeah. And then you get these visions that are just yeah. wild. Yeah. And his name is really popular, popular too. Who here knows somebody named Daniel? Everybody, everybody knows somebody yeah. named Daniel. Absolutely. Whether or not they were named after him, who knows? Right. Well, um, we, will do, we have several uh, prayer requests, and we will be sure. We're going to try to get through Daniel in one night, but if we don't, we'll, we'll split it into two like we have in the past. But we've got several uh, prayer requests we need to spend some time on tonight. And we have some announcement as, as well. So why don't, we, um, why don't we do the announcements right quick here. Uh, don't forget this Sunday is what? What happens this Sunday? What was that now? I heard, blah, blah, blah. what? Daylight savings times. Okay. It's Saturday night. Right. Starts Sunday morning. So you set your clocks which way? Forward. So we lose an hour of sleep. Is that right? Yes. We lose an hour of sleep. Yes. That is not, we're not going to have a happy home that day. Uh, the uh, week of prayer for North American missions and the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North America, our goal is $2,100. That is going on right now through, through, uh, through Easter. Uh, March the 14th, coming up very soon, is the deadline to sign up for kids and youth camps. If you've got any questions about that, you need to see our beloved Clayton Pruitt. He can tell you all about that. Mm-hmm. You need to know. If you want to come to the widow's breakfast, Please do so. The numbers on the widow's breakfast have been good. Anna's been telling me she's had about 10, I think, over the past couple meetings. Uh, that'll be uh, March the 17th at 9 a.m. Those are fun gatherings. They are. Contact Anna King if you're interested in that. Uh, on the 18th of March, 1:30 from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m., we're going to have senior adult Bible bingo at Parkway. If you want to know more about that, talk to Rhonda, Rhonda Lanham. They're going to be prizes. They're going to be prizes. Right. All right. It's going to be good. All right. Don't want to miss it. Maybe we need to sneak in, right. participate. Right. A little yeah. spray paint and get the hair. That's right. Yeah. We have women's ministry event coming up on 320, March the 20th. Of course, all these are on your announcement sheet. I just figured I'd read them for the live feed people out there. Uh, it's a women's ministry event on uh, March the 20th from 4 to 6 p.m. Come experience the evidence of God's goodness as we worship him in song of thanksgiving. I think that's here at the church. Uh, just, a, just a time of fellowship with our, with our ladies. We do have the, uh, our next men's breakfast is coming up, not this coming Saturday, but next at 10.30 a.m. here, excuse me, from 9 to 10.30 a.m. here in the sanctuary. 
uh, men's breakfast. It'll be the same um, format that we were going to do before, and they got put off by the snowstorm. Uh, business meeting this, this month, it is this month, it will be right after morning worship again. Uh, we just don't have a whole lot of business to, uh, to, to conduct other than the normal stuff, financial report, and, and to vote on us as messengers for the convention. Uh, March the 27th, there is a Parkway student spring break kickoff, uh, Sky Zone Trampoline Park and so forth. If you want to know more about that in your own live feed, it's a pretty lengthy, all the information here. You might want to contact email or contact text Clayton on that, get details on that. Uh, what a pretty big announcement is on, on March the 28th, uh, we will not have Sunday school. There won't be any music ministry, no, no worship, like in the sense of singing worship. We're going to have the living, the living Lord's Supper, Last Supper, yeah. of which you will be playing Jesus, I understand. Right. Okay. right. I'm growing the beard out right Jesus now. Jesus with blue eyes. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I love it. So anyway, and then right after that, we will actually have, Tony and Lisa, the Lord's Supper after that using the self-contained elements that we've used before. Okay. Um... Uh, Walter Bowen hosts a weekly men's red zone fellowship at Bojangles Friday, Friday mornings at 8 o'clock. If you want to know more about that, contact him. But I know there's several men go and they enjoy it. And then we're still asking for volunteer sign-ups for all different uh, places in children's, youth, and nursery positions, ministry. So please, if any of that strikes a chord, let us know. All right, on with Daniel. Y'all ready? Buckle up. Okay. I think I did more reading for... 12 chapters in Daniel <laughs> than I've done for like the other bigger books. Yeah, you go, you go from, in the last book we had Ezekiel, it was 48 chapters, and then you go to Daniel, which is less than half that, right? And mm-hmm. it's, or le, I mean, less than a third of that almost, and so it's, it's like a, uh, or less than that, it's, I mean, it's way smaller, and it's, um, you, you know, you think, well, this is just going to be a breeze, and then you start reading it, and it's not a breeze. No. No, it's, it's, it's not. It's rich and it's confounding and it's even Daniel um, acts terrified. And in, confounded. In some of it. Yeah. He's always asking, what does this mean? Yeah. And then he wakes up and he's like, I don't know what this means. Right. So, so there he is. Uh, uh, we've got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And what are these prophets called? Major prophets. And why are they called major prophets? Because of the mouth they wrote. <laughs> Did you say they wrote too much, David? Is that what you said? All right, out, cast him out. Okay, um, let's keep going here. So the man, Daniel the man, about eight years before Ezekiel was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, the young man Daniel was taken from Jerusalem to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar the king. Are those letters big enough for y'all out there? Okay, all right. He was young, intelligent, and skillful in wisdom. Uh, if you read in the Bible, I believe, let's see here. You can go ahead and open your Bible, and we'll, we'll refer to it a little bit as we go. Um, let's see. I think you see where he took several of them. Uh, the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some. This is uh, chapter 1, verse 3. To bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So when they conquered Jerusalem, the king uh, made sure that they brought some of uh, the brightest and the youngest of the Israelites into the king's court uh, to indoctrinate them into the ways of the Chaldeans. So you would have been taken, I would have probably been slain and left to die in Jerusalem. Yeah. So, 
I mean, unless I wasn't worthy, right? No, you, like, you'd have been worthy. You'd have been worthy. So, I love just a note so on that real quick. In, in this particular instance, youth does have its advantages. Right? There it is. Okay. Verse, verse 21 says that, uh, and Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. And I was really just like blown away by, you know, there were kings supplanted and changed and kingdoms. And, and yet this stalwart person who stayed there and saw it all happen, you know, was Daniel. Um, and I just, you know, I just thought that that was really uh, awesome. And, and it's a note I never really noticed before. Like you said, mm-hmm. you read through again and it's like, oh, I never noticed that verse. But yeah, really that speaks to God's faithfulness. Yeah, you really do. I mean, as you like, you, like you read Daniel all the way through, you know, say five years ago and you've been in other places of the Bible and then you come back for a study like this and you go read the whole book again. And it's not like the first time you've ever read it, but there, there may be things now that you're five years older yeah. you know, and you've studied other parts of the scripture that kind of you know, stick out while you're reading it. So right, that's one of the great right. things about reading the Bible and, and maturing in the word. So Daniel is one of the few men about whom God says only good. Uh, many times you read through the book of Daniel, you are beloved. Daniel, you yeah. are beloved. You are loved. You know, and yeah. It's yeah. really neat to hear, hear that. Uh, the man continued three times and what we just talked about, three times he's referred to as what? The greatly... Love. Do you believe that you're loved by God tonight? You believe that? Amen. I believe that for sure. Taken into captivity with Daniel were three other young men whom you know by their Babylonian names. What are those? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you know we actually, we actually knew a family in Columbus that we were very close to named the Meshachs. Can you believe that? They were named the Meshachs. That was not cool. spelled that way. It was spelled with an I. Now, I put their real names in there for you just so you could remember. And, of course, you know, Belshazzar, man, that's so close to my email, so close to my email. If you took the B-E-L-T-E off and put a D and an at Gmail, that'd be my email right there. So Daniel is Belshazzar, Hananiah is Shadrach, Mishael is Meshach, and Azariah is Abednego. So there they are. Uh, quick, just a question, why were they renamed? Anybody know? And what were, and what were they renamed as? Okay, true. And, and some believe that, that they were named after the gods of the Babylon, Babylonians. Is some, some people believe. I don't know if that's a fact, but I well, you know there, there's the suggestions a, that have been made. There's a moment where it says that Belshazzar, which is the name given to Daniel, it, it, it alludes to the fact that that is the name of King Nebuchadnezzar's god. Hmm. So at least, at least... You know, Daniel's yeah. replaced name is that, yeah. so which is interesting. Yeah, and also always remember that one of the reasons why God did not allow Moses to name him uh, was or call him by a name is that it shows dominance over another when you name them. That's why God said, what was his name? I am that I am, mm. right? Didn't give a name, I am that I am. So, right. all right, just a little tidbit there. Uh, the name Daniel means God is judge, God is judge. Okay, the book, Daniel. Now, this is, this is good stuff that, 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 should, um, that is always good to be reminded because we just might not think like this uh, on our own. That's why scholars are, and uh, theologians are very helpful, people that have you know, studied and known the Bible longer and, than we've been alive in many cases, help you, help you see these types of things. Daniel is the Old Testament apocalypse, while Revelation is the what? Is the New Testament? Is the New Testament? I gave yeah. you this, didn't I? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Okay. It's not working. <laughs> okay. I was making sure, man. I thought I, thought I did. Then here right. it is. I got it. So, so Daniel is the Old Testament apocalypse while Revelation is the New Testament apocalypse. Did you, isn't, that, isn't that neat to think about? That there's an apocalypse in the Old Testament and it's Daniel. Okay? The word apocalypse means an unveiling of the secret purposes of God. And we're going to have an unveiling for you here in about nine months, aren't we? Right. Because we're not going to find out what the child is right. until, the, until the child is born. Yeah, I was just talking about this with uh, Brenda Hopper. Yeah. yeah. yeah so no. we're going to have the Helping Hands group on standby to run in there and paint it blue or pink. Right, right. right. I'll just send the word to them and they'll be ready with, it, with <laughs> pink paint and blue paint and just whatever it is. Come on. Bring it on. <laughs> I'm hoping it's a boy, dinosaurs. Man, I'm excited. I can't yeah. wait. I, I love babies, man. I, I was just looking at Chloe tonight, and she walked into my office, and I could just, I could just tell she'd gotten taller. Yeah. You know, I hadn't just noticed, but when she came into my office, I could just tell she was, she was taller. Yeah. She's breaking my heart. I want my baby to, to grow up. I know. You know? Mine are too, man. And at least not, at least not become a teenager, because they're, they're, they're hard to deal with. You know, they, <laughs> maybe we could pray to God that they could just bypass those teenage years. Would y'all amen that? We don't get to do that? I have to suffer through that? Okay. All right. so the secret purposes of god can never be known until they're what revealed do you remember um you remember when we were going through the uh the ecclesiology stuff over the past several weeks when we we did the uh all the different who who is god and church discipline all those kinds of things we talked about the two types of revelation uh that god gives us do you remember what those were i'm just i'm just quizzing you just having some fun with you because i can um there's two types one of them okay that that's in the ballpark natural general, said general and general slash natural revelation and then special revelation the word of god is special revelation Natural or general revelation is the fact that we're all in here breathing and functioning. The timely tonight. orderliness yes. of how things operate. Yes. That witnesses to the fact that God yeah. exists. That these are designed to be what? See. Is, is this a gun that I'm holding right here? Maybe if I was a 007, right? Maybe. But, but the, <laughs> I didn't hear what he said. I'll laugh anyway. Um, the, the, these, these are glasses because they have been what? designed to be glasses so it's like the intelligent design argument that natural Watch. revelation general revelation is that there is a there is a design there is an order to the universe we look up we see the stars we're like wow did those just magically appear up there who somebody put those up there right, right. now we're getting into apologetics so, right so the secret yeah. purposes of god can never be known until they are revealed so god gives us his revealed word of god gives it through daniel then later through john to help us understand what the purpose behind um, what he's doing for us and through us. So the manner in which the events are unveiled in Daniel is mainly by what? Visions, right, visions. And of course, visions take, I mean, a couple of different- uh, Forms or- Yeah, like Paul, when he talks about his vision in Second Corinthians, he even acts like he doesn't really know whether he was transported bodily right, or right. whether it was just a vision that God Because he was called him. up, so to speak, and I think he actually uses those words, doesn't he? he? he called up, yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, so I saw, we, we don't know, in Ezekiel, it certainly seems like Ezekiel was transported back to, to, to right. Judah to see the, the glory of God leave the, leave the temple. So yeah. uh, it's just really neat. And, I, and, I don't, and we don't have to know precisely to believe the vision itself, 
but it, it is it is interesting to talk about and discuss. Mm-hmm. So, in the book of Daniel, the word vision or visions appears how many times? Thirty-two times. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, so def- definitely uh, apocalyptic. Definitely apocalyptic. Okay. We shall see that the themes of Daniel are the themes of New Testament prophecy. Okay. The manifestation of the man of sin. Who is that? Antichrist. Yeah. The yeah. great tribulation. The return of the Lord, the resurrections, that would be the resurrection to, uh, to, to, to judgment or to hell, and then the resurrection to salvation and eternity. And then the judgments. Daniel is distinctly the prophet of the times of the Gentiles. His vision sweeps the entire course of the Gentile world rule to its end and on to the messianic kingdom of our Lord. And I'll tell you something that I, that I, that I, that I found was yeah. uh, studying this tonight made me it really, like going through Ezekiel and talking about, because the main thing that like really hit me in Ezekiel was the millennial temple. Yeah, Dick, you got a question? Go ahead. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Right, absolutely. Yes, in, in fact, one of my favorite passages in, in, the, uh, in the book here, go ahead and turn it to Daniel 2, just to follow up on that, Dick, that good thoughts you have there. Um, if you look in Daniel chapter 2, and this is one of the reasons why we obviously want our presidential candidate to win. We do, okay? But in the end, who sets up kings and deposes kings? Who sets up presidents and deposes presidents? God. Okay, and, and, that, and that's, that's, that's just something, that's a tough pill to swallow, but that's the truth, okay? If you look at Daniel chapter 2, Verse 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and insight. He changes what? Times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings and so forth. So you talk about sovereignty, Absolutely. Dick. That's one of the best, this is one of the best blocks of text in the whole Bible that backs up what you just said. Uh, you know, we don't like it. We, we, wonder, you know, we wonder how, you know, a, 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 a man who's, who basically believes things that are completely contrary to the Bible, God would put in a place of leadership, but the Bible's full of them. So right. um, it's just difficult to understand. And again, it is, I believe it is, it is, uh, it is encapsulated in, in the mystery of, of God and his divine sovereignty. And I still, I still fall back to that same statement. Do not accuse God of injustice unless you know what God knows. Right. Right. You like that? Yeah, absolutely. That hung in my spirit ever since I've heard that. Yeah. Don't accuse God, don't blame God of injustice unless you know what he knows. It puts, we don't know what he it knows. It puts God in the center of your theology, not you in the center of your theology. Right. Right. So back to this. Um, why don't you do the next panel? There, yeah. Brother, the central yeah. truth. The central truth um, that the most high rule uh, rules the kingdom of men and giveth, uh, give it, giveth it to whomever he will. Um, and that is just incredible um, to, to see that theme and exactly what Dick Peach was pointing out. Uh, one of my questions that I had as I was reading through Daniel one. this time, well, I had like many, many, many questions, um, but one that really rang throughout was this, why would the Lord at this time, particular time, in the span of historical uh, redemptive history, would he allow this kind of unique um, interchange between Daniel and like Nebuchadnezzar and Darius, who he, he's like concerned, especially Darius. He's like running to the tomb or to the uh, lion's den mm-hmm. 
and he's concerned for Daniel. And he's like, this king who shouldn't care about a, a, mean, uh, you know, a measly little peasant, and yet he's like running to this lion's den to, like, <laughs> you know, to, to make sure he's okay. And it's just, it's just incredible to me that God does this. You know, the only um, thought I had time. while you were talking was, was that uh, the, the irony behind the Jews and their monarchy is then destroyed by Babylon, and then they go from being ruled, or they go from the monarchy of Judah to the monarchy of the Babylonians. How interesting right. that is, is yeah. that part of their discipline was to, be, was to have their freedom taken away yeah. and taken into exile and brought into Babylon under right. a pagan king and pagan laws. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's about the biggest reversal of fortune, you know, th- that you could ever have. Yeah, and it's not like if we could just peer a little bit into the mind of God, which we get to do here in Scripture, you know, it's like God was allowing all of this to take place for, for this complete ramping up of the power of the nations, right? Mm-hmm. You see... You know, Nebuchadnezzar being one of the main key players in this, he's, he's so powerful, and you get that within Daniel. It's emphasized over and over again how powerful he is. It's almost like God in, the, in his sovereign will in, this, in his, the scheme of time is ramping up these powerful nations to show I am even more powerful mm-hmm. than these nations. Mm-hmm. And, and then you get to see this window through what he's going to do through all of this, mm-hmm. through Daniel. I, I don't know. I just think it's incredible um, how he shows that. So point, point two here. Uh, this theme is essentially the same as that of Ezekiel, the other book of the captivity. Right. Uh, Ezekiel's theme is, they shall know that I am Lord. Jehovah. Yeah, and remember, yeah. live feed, folks, I, I don't know uh, how many of you are keeping up with this or if you're just tuning in, but Ezekiel... The, the, the cool thing about these three prophets is that Jeremiah remained, when, when, the, when the destruction of, of Jerusalem happened, Jeremiah remained in the homeland, so he was still in Judah, prophesying and trying to, trying to convince everybody to give up to Babylon and to not fight Babylon. Then you had Ezekiel, who was taken and deported away, and he was with the Jews of the exile by the Kabar River. And then, then you had Daniel that was taken in one of the deportations, and he was actually in the monarchy in the court of the king. So the, the, the beauty of this is, is, that, is that God's people, here's the thing to always remember. Uh, you might not necessarily like who he is, uh, but God will always have a preacher for his people uh, somewhere. Yeah. God will always have yeah. a prophet for his people somewhere. And in this case, he had one back in the homeland that was being destroyed. He had one on the Kabar River, and he had one in the court of the king. Is that not amazing? Amazing. Yeah. So the structure, uh, yeah, the structure. structure of the book. Uh, history, we get the history, um, and really this is the narrative portion, uh, literary portion of the book, and that's chapters one through six. That's where we get all of those fun stories about mm-hmm. Daniel in the lion's den, right, and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace with another. Right? Who's the other? Um, I don't know who that is. I don't know. Who that <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. Who's that? Who's um, that and, you know, theories do abound, but we, we know who it is. Um, and then you get the prophecy on the, on the back end of the book, uh, chapters 7 through 12. Mm-hmm. The historical section reveals God's plan to Daniel, and all of the plan speaks of the immediate future and actu- uh, actually took place. Yeah, just to ask you a question, have you noticed, y- y'all have been now through, through several books of the Old Testament. Is Dr. Stringfellow's book, or, or how, how he shows the, uh, the chapter breakout, is that helpful to you as you study theology? I see a few nodding heads. 
that was probably the greatest thing that helped me. As I've told you many times, I've never had the gift of memorizing large chunks of text. Just, I've tried. Never, I tried. Our, our Old Testament professor uh, gave us extra credit on tests if we would memorize scriptures. I tried to every time, and when I got he would give us partial credit, but I would never get the whole thing. But as far as like general theology in books of the Bible or approximately where God teaches us something from Christ or from Paul or in the Old Testament, I can give you just about where it is, but I can never cite it verbatim. That, to me, that, that's what these types of studies do, is it helps you kind of have a good mindset of, of, of the theological layout of the Bible, which to me is equally as important as being able to just memorize a verse. Because I think sometimes in Baptist life, we, has, we have overemphasized the memorization of Scripture to the detriment of understanding the theological importance of what the Scripture says. Yeah. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, understanding the whole counsel well, 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 of we God's just think, Word. We just think because we can cite a scripture from memory that, that, right. we're, that we're theological and we know what we're talking about. Right. It's like MacArthur always said, the meaning of the text is the text. Right, and so, I would actually encourage anyone, which this sounds crazy, but if you're going to memorize scripture, which I'm, 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 I am entering into this journey and failing miserably, but I'm trying, I'm trying. If you're going to memorize... You've got two little kids, man. You, right, you, you, you I'm, I'm memorizing as I drive. I'm like driving, and I'm not like looking down at my Bible, by the way. I'm not like, you know, like this, but um, I'm listening to it um, over and over and over again, and it's tedious. But um, if you memorize, try to memorize uh, a chunk, a passage of Scripture um, together, or, or if you're bold enough, maybe even a chapter of Scripture uh, or a book of Scripture. Woo! Um, I'm just saying because if you do that, then what happens, as I've tried to do and experience just through memorizing a few of the, the first verses of Philippians, is that I kind of catch themes. As I'm memorizing like verse to verse to verse, I'm like, whoa, I've never thought about that that way before. As I'm like thinking about the verse and cycling it through my head. So yeah. to your point, if you're going to try to do that, why not just instead of have like 20 verses that are randomly yeah. all throughout the Bible, which is great, yeah. have like a book where you can, or a chapter where you can say like, yeah, I get, I really understand that chapter now. Cool. So, yeah. good, good, and, good. and another thing I was going to say just real quickly mm -hmm. is you this, this study is great because you, just reading Daniel showed me today that you cannot, I don't care how smart you are, you can never find the ends and the depths of all of the truths mm. of Scripture. You're never going to be able to mine it completely. And it's like, like I would open one door today and there would be like 20 more questions that I would open up to that I'd have. I'm like, yes, I got the answer. And it was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> well, that, well, that's like when you hear somebody, when you talk to somebody about the Bible, you go, yeah, man, I've read, they'll, they'll say something like, yeah, man, I've read the Bible. What's the big deal? I'm like, then you hadn't read the Bible. Yeah, you hadn't read the Bible. Yeah, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. If it was important to you know them, what? It be important to us. You sure. know what else they didn't have? <laughs> yeah, yeah. nor computers, nor, nor anything. Joe saying no. They didn't even have spiral-bound <laughs> notebooks, man. They didn't have anything. Right. All right. Let's move on. Uh, go ahead. The the uh, oh yes, the structure, structure of the book. book. We're still yeah. going in that, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. Uh, yet the six chapters are not only uh, history, but they look to a distant fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Uh, example, chapter 3 recounts the story of the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, 
but it is also a picture of Israel in the furnace of tribulation. I thought that was a really interesting mm-hmm. point. Yeah, yeah, and um, there are a lot of connections to that. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'll come back to that later. Well, you know, the servant songs, uh, Isaiah 53, outside of Christian theology, if you talk to other people, like, well, who is Isaiah 53 talking about? They either say Jeremiah or they say Israel. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So where was that there? Uh, chapter 2 um, is Nebuchadnezzar's chapter dream. Two. Mm-hmm. Chapter 2. Yeah. Uh, chapter 2 is Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and most of that is history, yet it looks to the end of times of the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. The prophetic section 7 through 12 deal with the events of this age and the events of the end time. So again, the point of that, of that panel is just talking about the first six chapters of the book, and then the, then the bottom bullet is just talking about the, the rest of the book, which is the, the long-distance future, uh, apoco- more apocalyptic uh, mm. look that he gives us from the, from the angel. All right, so the book of Daniel uh, cannot be fully understood without the book of Revelation and vice versa. And why is that? He told us at the very beginning of the book, because both of those, the Revelation is the New Testament, what? Apocalypse, and Daniel is the Old Testament apocalypse, okay? So both men, talking about John and talking about, um, who are we talking about? Daniel. Uh, both men, sorry, were, were loved of the Lord yeah. and saw visions God gave them while in exile. Very interesting. Yeah, Daniel, Jesus. You don't, th- you know, I mean, he was in exile. Yeah, yeah. In Babylon, right. far away from home. A lot of similarities City there. in ruins, destroyed, yeah. burned, people killed, his family members probably yeah. did. And he's taken over in exile. And then and what John, did John call himself? In, in the book of John, he called himself the beloved disciple. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? The I disciple mean, Jesus loved, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like while he was on the island of Patmos. I think he called no. himself the elder, I think. Elder, I know in the letters, I think yeah. he did. I think he did. That's a cool name. Yeah. yeah. All right, so five times in Revelation we read that it is a prophecy. And there are, there are, the, there are the, um, the citations, 1, 3, 22, 7, 10, 18, 19. Now, we, won't, we won't read all those. Obviously, you can look those up. I don't think anybody here would, you know, would, would argue against that Revelation is not prophecy. Uh, but Daniel is definitely a prophet. Uh, Jesus referred to him as such in Matthew 24, 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the who? Prophet Daniel standing in the holy place. And that's, I just left it there just to give you a piece of the citation, just to show you that Jesus saw Daniel as a prophet as well. So... Uh, so much that was sealed in Daniel is unsealed in Revelation. Now, obviously, we would love to bring a whole bunch of Revelation scriptures in and talk about all that, but there, if we do that, we will never get finished uh, with, what, with the purpose of what we're trying to do, which is a brief survey right. of Daniel. And I will say, though, go and read that, though. Oh, yeah. Revelation sure. 5, 1 through 5, I mean, it's fantastic. Yep. Absolutely. And we do have, we do have the, uh, the scriptures here for this one particular passage okay. that you just mentioned. Uh, he asked us to compare Daniel 12, 8, and 9 to Revelation 5, 1 through 5, and I've got this in the notes for you tonight. And please, I hope you're, I hope you're taking your book. If you, and by the way, we've got books left over. If you don't have a book, we have books left over. Uh, I believe in the blanks. Does he ask you to write that out? I don't have mine with me. Yeah, he yeah. asked you either to write out the scripture or to write your kind of thoughts. So, so please be sure. I, I, I know that we're slowly getting out of a handwriting culture, but uh, if you have the time, and you, you, I would encourage you to read these scriptures and copy the scripture down and then just think and pray and, you know, put some, put some notes out there by it. This is my thinking book. I know, I just man. Like, you, you're, I think, you're great at it. You're I great just, at it. I, it's I'm more, it's I'm like more a scrapbook. A, I'm more of a typing. I type all my stuff. It's manly scrapbooking. Because I can't read my own writing sometimes. Yeah. Daniel 12, 8 and 9. I heard 
but I did not understand. Then I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. That's very fast. Said, All the way at the end of Daniel, the angel tells him that as he pushes to know, as Daniel pushes to know more, that's what the angel tells him. And then John gets a further revelation. I mean, gets further revel, revelation in revelation. Yeah, re- yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, right, Revelation 5, 1 through 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. I'd cry too. I mean, I'd want to know what God's word says. I'd I'd look into the future. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. What passage is that again, Tony? The root of David? 2 Samuel, Samuel 7, 7, 14. The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. You know, I think about this moment, right, as like a symphony or like an orchestra, oh. you know, and they're singing their song and they start yeah. out with like a little, you know, tinkly tone kind of thing. Yeah. And then it like, and it picks up as it goes and it's like this great number. And then you get this like crescendo and it's like the, everything rises together and it's like every, every like every instrument singing in that one moment. Yeah. And I, th- I think, I feel like this is that moment where, you know, the angel's crying out loud, who, who's worthy? Yeah. And, uh, you know, John's weeping because it's like, man, no one can end this thing yeah. and bring about God's justice. And then it's like, no, Jesus can. Yeah. And he, you know, and here he is. Yeah. And he's going to crack that thing wide open. <laughs> oh, Colton, he's on fire tonight, isn't he, y'all? Man, that's good stuff. So what was, um, what was hidden from the eyes of Daniel is open to view in Revelation. Nebuchadnezzar, sorry. I just call him Nebi. Nebi dream and Daniel's vision. This is chapters two and seven. This is one of the most profound uh, things that you will find uh, second only to Daniel chapter nine uh, in, in this book. So God gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream, a prophetic outline of the future history of the world power. So this is chapter two. Now, now just before we go into it, um, I, I want to point out, and, and, and I know it's not funny, okay? I mean, if I had been there, this would not have been a funny moment. But I just, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, I can just really relate to what he says in verse 8. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, he's, he's had this dream. He calls all of his, you know, magicians or, the, or all these, you know, these enchanters, you know, before him. And, and, he, and he's telling them straight out, you got to tell me what the dream is. And so they kind of hem-haw around. And then the king says, I know with certainty that you were trying to gain time <laughs> because you see that the word for me is firm. So in other words, they're like stalling for time right. because they know they can't, they can't do it. I, I just thought that was pretty funny. But uh, they He's smart, him. dude. He's he, smart. He, I mean, he, he, he knew what they were you doing. You know, it's funny. He's smart and like Darius is like, I think Darius was just not like as oh, royal or smart. I don't, think, as I don't think he was as hard as Nebuchadnezzar was. Nebi. No, he wasn't. So when you look down at verse 13, you see, so the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought who? Who did they Daniel. seek out? Daniel. 
and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He said, hey man, don't, don't kill all these guys. Don't kill them. Let me, let me, let me, go, let me go talk to him and, uh, and, and help, the, help the king understand. So, yeah. And then he, yeah. inter, inter, uh, he interprets this. So 60 years later, that's this one. And then 60 years later, uh, Daniel has a vision, also called a dream in chapter 7, concerning the same world powers. Now, I haven't studied this in depth enough or read, read as broadly as I would to say preach this in a morning, in a morning message because it's just more of a dialogue. But I'm sure that, there is, that there's some reason why Nebuchadnezzar's dream came and then all these many years later, Daniel's vision came. Do you have any idea why the time in between them? Because I, I don't. With the 60 years mm-hmm. and the, I really don't. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. I just, that, that would be something that we need to, to, to study on for next time we meet. All right, now here's, here's, the, here's the dream and then uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream and Daniel's dream. Uh, the setting, and we'll, we'll, we'll move on. I just, this is just for, this came right out of the book. This is just for your information to, to look at it. Just let, let your brain absorb it. The setting on both, the dream, just the, just the comparison of both, the interpretation, and then the results. So you have uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream of this is the statue, right? And then you have Daniel's interpretation. So <clears throat> here's the, the breakout of everything, of this incredible statue that, that, that scares Nebuchadnezzar that, that Daniel interprets. And I mean... I mean, Daniel basically tells the future to Nebuchadnezzar, right? Yes, yes. There, yeah, definitely there's, there's definitely parallels. There's parallels between both of them. No, no, no question about yeah. it. So I think I put a picture in here. There it is. So we'll just put that put it up there. Doesn't he look cute? <clears throat> so there's a statue, and, I, and I, you can go out there and go on Google and just type in Daniel's, uh, type in Nebuchadnezzar's dream statue, and you'll there, there's 40,000 different pictures out there. And so what you see, this is just easier to, to, to read instead of the chart, so we'll just, we'll just do this. But you see at the top, it's the Golden Age, which is Babylon the Great or the Lion, the Chaldean Dynasty, and that's, that's where they are right now. Uh, that's, that's the actual time frame that they're in. And then you see the Silver Age, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, but this is the Medes and the Persians, which is King Cyrus the Great, which comes next, the next dominating empire. Then after that, you have the the Greco-Macedonian Empire, the Leopard, that's the Hellenistic area. And who was the main leader there? Probably the most popular one out of all. Alexander the Great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and y'all know the... And I just, I just point this out to you because it's the thing that I really remember from studying all that, the main thing that was different about him than, than many of the other empires of the world. When Alexander went and conquered an area, normally the conquering nation forces the nation they conquer to do what? Conform. Conform, uh, like Rome did, right? I mean, they, they, want, they wanted to absorb into the empire and they want them to look just like the Roman Empire. But Alexander the Great did not do that. When Alexander the Great conquered an area, he, he let them keep their freedom. He let them keep their gods. He, he let them continue to, to, he was very merciful once he you know, obliterated their army. <laughs> he, was, he was merciful to the civilians and let, them, and let them continue to exist, which is why he was so successful and conquered so fast. One of the I mean, fastest conquering yeah. of, of any empire Crazy. in the world. I mean, I, I don't know about Germany, maybe, but anyway. Yeah. All right, so then after Alexander the Great, we have the, uh, the Roman Empire, or the beast. 
And this was the, the beast that, that terrified him, that scared him half to death. Isn't that right? That was the one that was, had the iron teeth. That, yes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, let's look at that. Um, look at uh, chapter 2. Uh, let's see. Chapter 2, verse 31, right in here. Let's see. Yeah, as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver... And the gold altogether were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And we know who that is. Who's that? That's Jesus. Yeah. No question about that. The, the, the thing here that's, that's, that's not clear, that's a little blurry, uh, and, and you'll find this anywhere, is the, is the, the toes at the very bottom. Uh, you can find a lot of different ideas of, of who theologians think uh, the, the mixed toes are. And here, this, the person that made this chart says it's the modern age or the new Roman Empire. Some say, if y'all ever heard it, it was the European Union. Uh, some people think it's the European some, some people think it's America. Some people think that that, that bottom uh, empire is America. Um, we don't know uh, who, who it is. So I, I, I hesitate to, to teach for certain uh, what, who the bottom country is or the, the bottom nation is because I don't think we know and we don't want to be a false teacher, okay? And so we, so we just leave that alone. We know the others for pretty for sure because uh, they've, they've all been fulfilled. We can speculate, much. but we don't want right. to. So going backwards, so we see the world powers, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, old Roman Empire, and then we have Christ, the stone that's clear, clear, and then we have the mountain, which is the millennial kingdom or the everlasting kingdom that we know is Jesus uh, at his, at his uh, second, second coming and the establishment of the millennial reign and the everlasting kingdom, okay? And again, you will find, I mean, how many different views did we find? Uh, I mean, you can find... A bunch. You know, I mean, there was and, views and they're, that, not, and they're not heretical views. Right. They're not heretical views. All, all of them are substantiated by their scriptures or whatever but but, um, but but we know we know all the way down to old roman empire we we, we are just about a hundred percent sure all that's accurate yeah so in the ten horns would be would be the the emperors the roman emperors and so forth so all right let's get back to this the four kingdoms symbolized by the great image and the beast were literal kingdoms it follows then that the stone kingdom which is to take place is also a literal kingdom which is the millennial kingdom of our Lord Jesus the King. Now, now also remember this, I don't want to chase too many rabbits on this, 640, 645, but there, there's, two, there's two basic views of, of, um, of eschatology or, or, or Israel. One of those is what, what most Baptists would, would believe, and you've heard me say this before, uh, which is a dispensational view. The dispensational view, which is what many believe Daniel advocates and Revelation advocates, that considers that there is a rapture of the church. Many believe a pre-trip. You've probably all been taught that. Who here has had a Ryrie study Bible? Who's here had a Ryrie study Bible? Okay. That, that's, what, that's what Charles Ryrie taught. That there was a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Israel became center stage again, and then that, 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 that ushered in the end time. So you've got, then you've got covenant theology, okay? And covenant theology believes something that is called replacement theology. Okay? And replacement theology teaches that Israel has been completely absorbed into the church and there is no future purpose for Israel, okay? The majority of, of Southern Baptists that you meet are not gonna believe that. Right. They're not gonna believe that there is no future purpose for Israel because you have what? Romans 9, 10, 11, yep. you have Daniel. Yep. I mean, there is plenty of scriptural evidence 
that, that something, that Israel is going to come back center stage. I mean, the, 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 uh, in Revelation, all the tribes of Israel, the 12, right. the, the and thousands I think, of... I think Romans 11 really, <clears throat> for me at least, as I've waded through those waters, is, is one of the main clinchers for me. That, that, yeah. And obviously the prophecies too, yeah. and, and all of this as well. But, but and, and so there, there's, there's no quick way. There's no quick way to, to, to answer all those questions. And, and, and honestly, I think every individual believer, I don't think you need to take anybody else's word for it. I think you need to go lock yourself in a room for as long as you can or take you know, two or three years to study it like I did back the last place I pastored and, and get you know, two or three trustworthy scholars. When I say trustworthy, I mean that believe the word of God is true, right? Amen. Okay, not somebody that doesn't believe that. And, and study through that and see, see where God takes you uh, to, to, to believe, okay? <clears throat> a couple of scriptures that he backs up what he says here is uh, Psalm 118, 22, 23. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Who is that stone? Christ. So Christ clearly in the scripture spoken of metaphorically as a stone. So that is consistent theology through the Old Testament, New Testament combined. Yep. And then we have Luke 20, 17, 18, but he looked directly at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the what? Cornerstone. 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 Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush them. And interestingly enough, in First Peter, I believe it's chapter two, he's also referred to as the cornerstone. Yeah, um, these, these same and Peter are, says that we are priesthood living stones right, being right. made into to, to a, a, heavenly, a heavenly temple. Love that. Yes, I, uh, gold image of himself, chapter three. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, now this was funny, after, we, uh, after he interpreted this dream for him, then what does Nebuchadnezzar go and do? Now, I don't know that he was building what he dreamed, but it certainly seems like he did. Does it to y'all? I mean, it's just too ironic that he dreams it, Daniel interprets it, and then lo and behold, here we are in chapter 3, and he's building, he's building this 60-foot this yeah. statue yeah, of and himself. I, I thought, you know, you think about it, and when Daniel's giving him this interpretation, he says that Nebuchadnezzar is the, gold, the golden head. And I think it's just interesting that all of these other materials represent the other kingdoms that will come and take over. And you see, uh, you see Nebuchadnezzar make this golden statue, this complete golden statue. And it's almost like to me, they saying, uh, no God, it's not gonna happen. I'm gonna you know, reign forever, you know? And it's, your, your will's not gonna be done. And uh, it was just, it's just interesting. I, I have nothing to prove that for certain, that that's what he was doing, but it just seems like he, that in his arrogance, that's what he was doing. Or you could, if you, didn't, if you hadn't read forwards, you could say, well, hey man, he's building this statue in honor of the vision. Right. But what he does with the statue then betrays that. Absolutely. Because he has all the musicians come and he wants everybody in the whole kingdom to turn toward the statue and worship him. Yeah. So, so we know he wasn't building in honor of God. Right. So it's honor of himself. So he demanded the people to worship the image and the three Hebrew children refused to obey. It's funny. It's, it's interesting to think about them as children, isn't it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed, to think of them as children. But they were. <clears throat> It'd be like Micah. You know, Mike and Vance. You yeah. Know? Yeah. We're not eating that food. I couldn't see them saying that. No, you know sir. I mean? <laughs> no. Eat anything. You can throw us in on. the fiery furnace. Yeah. Hebrew children refused to obey and were cast into the fiery furnace, but God made the flames harmless. Daniel 3.25, he answered and said, but I see four men. Let's, let's look at that. Let's look at that story. Let's go there. Daniel chapter 3. 
<clears throat> How could we study Daniel and not at least read Look some of this story of right. the fiery furnace? My goodness. So, so what's happened here is that he has, Nebuchadnezzar has built this huge idol and now he is commanding everybody in uh, chapter three, verse four, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, whatever that is, harp, bagpipe, every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down, what happens to them? Burn them, throw them in the fiery furnace. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. Imagine that, God's people being accused of something. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, you've said all this, verse 12, jump down to verse 12, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. So these just aren't, you know, these aren't prisoners out by the river. These are, these are you know, they're in the court. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. Oof. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So he gets into a rage and brings them in. And then they say this famous, mm. this famous uh, objection to, yeah. in verse 17, right? O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. I'm at chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But be, but if not, <laughs> be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Mm. Incredible. Bold. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, jumped down a little bit. He ordered the furnace heated. How many times more hot? Seven times more hot than they usually heated it. It was so hot that some of the men that took them over there to throw them in that fire, they got killed. They got burned up and got killed. And then jump on down to verse 24. Dick, did you want to say something? Okay. All right, we're working on it. When we get there, we'll, we'll do it. Um, then the king was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, what, Colton? True, O king. He answered and said, what? But I see, I see how many? Four men. Four men unbound, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. That's one of the most comforting things you will read in scripture. I, I have a really awesome Matthew Henry quote. I was reading Matthew Henry and this is- That is why you are here, man, is to read your Matthew I told you, Henry I read more quote. on this study than I have any of the other ones. Let it rip. Live uh, feed. He has yeah. a Matthew Henry quote tonight. Matthew Henry, if you don't know who he right? is, go online and Google his commentary and just read it's to your free. heart's content. It's free, you'll yes. love it. Note, those that suffer for Christ have his gracious presence with them in their sufferings, uh -huh. even in the fiery furnace, even in the valley of the shadow of death, and therefore even there they need fear not evil. Hereby Christ showed that what, uh, what was done against his people he takes as done against himself. Yeah. Whoever throws them into the furnace uh, does, in effect, throw him in. Yeah. And I just love that. I love that because that is a New Testament theme. 
yeah. as well. Uh, we see that, you know, another excellent, incredible. Another excellent proof text of what you're just saying is um, Saul, Saul and Saul is being right. converted on the, on the Damascus road by, yeah. by Saul, Saul. Right, yeah, Saul, Saul, what does he say? Why do you persecute me? Why do you persecute me? Yeah. Where was Jesus at that time? Was he on earth? No, he was he ascended. Was, yeah. Right. So by persecuting other yeah. Christians, he was persecuting Christ. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and, and therefore, yeah. Christ is with us. Yeah. And the Bible is full of that theology. Yeah. Um, I, if you read the guy who founded the Voice of the Martyrs, uh, William Rumbrandt, I can't say his name right. Rumbrandt, I think that's right. Okay. He, uh, his story is phenomenal when he talks about suffering underground in this underground prison for the sake of Christ. And as he was being tortured, um, he, he, he has recollections of remembering the sweet presence of Christ and identifying with the sufferings of his Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the sweet uh, communion, the sweet presence of Jesus in those moments of, of, of suffering and torture. And it's just, it's just really neat that, you know, that in the moment of suffering, you identify so well with your Lord mm-hmm. uh, in, in his passion. Did, did you say martyr's grace? I've always uh, heard voice the, of the martyrs. I've always heard the term martyr's grace. Oh, martyr's grace, right. Well, because, you know, you, you know yeah. that, that there have been martyrs, like you just talked about the martyrs right. throughout history, and you think about, you know, if that were to happen to yourself. Yeah. You know, how would you handle that? Yeah. Show up to your house and put the knife to your throat one at a time. Yeah. And, and say, you're, you're going to recant of your faith or... This die. one dies first, this yeah. one dies second, this one dies third, this one dies fourth. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think in that moment it is a, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's the Holy Spirit empowering you to say, yeah. I, I follow Christ. Yeah. yeah. If, I don't know if you've ever read it or if y'all have ever read it or not, but I, I had to read the Apocrypha. Uh, I did mm-hmm. a, a paper on the Apocrypha, and the, I yeah. think it's either, I can't remember if it's the first or second Maccabees, but it was about the, the, the Syrian persecution. Yeah. Of the uh, of the of, of the uh, Maccabees. Yeah. And they took this lady and her four sons, mm. and 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 butchered, killed her sons one at a time. Yeah. And and it was it was and they and they all went to their deaths. Uh, First and Second Maccabees are is the are the only two books in the Apocrypha that Protestants recognize as accurate history. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. rest of them we don't we don't look at as divine text, but but uh but 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 it. it Martyrs, it's just neat that you said that because uh, martyr's grace, I think, is a real thing because th- yeah. you, think, you think you can't do it. You think you won't be able to do it. Right. But God, if you're, I believe if you're a true believer, God will give you the grace you need to say yes and then go to your death. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's just uh, it's a profound thing to think about that we are never more like our Lord, maybe possibly on this earth, than when we suffer for him, for his sake, uh, to glorify him. Um, I, I just, I think it's one way that we can identify with him. And it's not that we go seeking out suffering, right? We're not like, you know, suffering junkies, you know. I mean, that's, there are people who, I mean, in fact, the, the martyrs in the first century, um, they were worshipped at yeah. one point. They were, and they would not have wanted to be worshipped, but they were <clears throat> worshipped because of their boldness and their courage and their bravery. And we don't want to do that either, right? We just want to simply say, if we're going to go the way of our Lord, then let us go with our head held high, praising and singing his name and his, yeah. his glory. I can't remember one of the, one of the first martyrs, uh, one of the first church fathers. Ignatius, I believe it was. 
it wasn't Ignatius. It was, I think, I, I don't remember his name, but, but I do remember that, that he was, they put him in the Colosseum and the, line, the lions ate him. Wasn't Polycarp. I don't remember. If you say his name, I'll remember. Polycarp was the older gentleman, I believe. Yeah, I Very think, old. I, I, was Polycarp bold? Or was, no, he, I think he was burned at the stake. He was burned at the stake. Yeah, and actually, in fact, he was old. And um, the, the surrounding community was actually extremely angry at uh, the Roman oh, Empire yeah. for burning yeah, was, him. Yes. <laughs> I guess it was just like. Well, because I think they called him, like, they considered him like a, like a grandfather. Right, they did. It was such an appalling thing. Right, right. But I can't remember his name. I'll, I'll try to remember next time. But, but he literally went after the Roman emperor, like through, through, through letters back and forth, yeah. calling him out on the persecution of Christians, telling him how wrong he was. Yeah. Uh, and then the, they, I think they had him brought in a cage uh, to, the, to Rome. He escaped. And I can't remember. Maybe it was Ignatius. Did you say Ignatius? Ignatius, yeah. Maybe it was Ignatius. Yeah, he was, he was one of the first. I, I know he was one of the first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but. All right. Anyway, well, moving on, yeah. Yeah, so, a little side trail there, but well, that's all right. a little history that's okay. for you. Well, martyrdom is a, uh, is a very interesting topic and one that we need to Well, think and we're on point time. because they were willing they were to burned. go to their they deaths. They were willing to go to their deaths right. over not worshiping an idol, you know? Yep. I mean, the fourth, por- fourth person is Jesus, right? That's who we think Amen. it is, right? Yeah. Y'all think it's Christ in the, in the firing inferno? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yep. All right, uh, Hebrews... Uh, 11, 33 through 34, through faith, we are saved through faith. Dr. Stringfellow points this out, talking about the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into the fire. It was, it, you're seeing an Old Testament representation of their faith in, in, in their God's ability to deliver them. Uh, so who, th- who, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, mm-hmm. obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Obviously, we're talking about Daniel. Yep. Quenched the power of fire, talking about Daniel. Yeah. Escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to their flight. If you remember, Hebrews goes back and does that, that Old Testament uh, narrative of all of the heroes of the faith from the Old Testament. And, and, and I know we're really running a button up against time here, but this should show you, like can, this connection to Hebrews should show you that the faithful, those who are filled with faith, in Christ are a powerful people. We are a powerful people. We believe in a powerful, the most powerful Lord. And, and, and we can, as we kind of just talked about, and we don't have to go back there, but we can stare death in the face. We can stare sorrow in the face. We can, we can face these things in this life with a bold confidence in faith that our, that our Lord is going to be taking us home one day. This isn't our home anyway. And I, I, th- I think it's about time that we get over this place. <laughs> Because, I mean, we, I think Amen. we really have stamped our flag in here a little bit yeah. deeper than we should. So. Well, it's just, it's just comfortable, man. It's right. comfortable and it's right. fine, you know, but, it's, but it's, it's, yeah. you're right. There's another yeah. place that we're going to that's going to be beyond measure. I love guns. I love guns, but I just don't need to stay there, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, right let's do this. La- we'll do this last panel, and then we'll call it a night. We'll pick up next week here. Nebuchadnezzar's gold image of himself. Then in Daniel 4... Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of a great tree. Well, you know what? Why don't we, why don't we just stop here? And we'll, do, we'll, stop here. we'll start here on the great tree next time. So great we tree. We don't have to rush through the great tree because that's, that's a good one too. All right. Yeah, they, they knew we weren't going to make it, right? Dude, they knew. Peach is still burning is, like a, he's got, he's another, got a he's deep got fire in his soul. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I never did read it for you, did I? Verse 27. Verse 27. He won't turn it loose. Let's see here. Yeah. Right. 
you said you had your hand. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I've got another Matthew Henry quote. <laughs> right. I would, say, I would say one other thing. Didn't it say they bound them and threw them in the, in the furnace? Didn't it say they bound them? You, okay, but you don't hear nothing about unbinding them when they come out. So it burned. Oh, dude. It burned the binding, but didn't touch them. I got to read this. I got This is Matthew Henry. The fire that did not uh, so much as singe their clothes burnt the cords wherewithin they were bound and set them at liberty. Thus God's people have their hearts enlarged through the grace of God by, by those very troubles with which the, uh, their enemies uh, designed to straighten and hamper them. So it's like these very things that our enemies are bringing against us. God is just using to enlarge our hearts for, for yeah, him. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, we will pick up there next uh, Wednesday, won't we? Isn't that right? We're meeting next Wednesday, aren't we? It's not a holiday so. or a, anything like that, snow is it? Snow day. No, no, no more snow, snow days. No snow's coming. Weather's been beautiful here the past few days. I hope it lasts. So, Okay, uh, live feed land. We are going to uh, transition to prayer. Prayer. And we've got a bunch. Um, yeah. We've got a bunch of stuff. I've got several things marked here. Um, of course, Bill Matthews, as everybody knows, is uh, very, very sick. Um, he, he, they, they took, Karen texted me and told me what, what he has. They call it interstitial pneumonia, pneumoniitis. Have y'all ever heard that before? In, inter, interstitial, maybe, hmm. pneumonitis. And it's not, it's not like regular pneumonia. I read up on it a little bit, and it's, it's, um, it's not good. It's actually a little bit worse than pneumonia. But whether this is something that just happened, and I, I don't know that they know yet, uh, or if it's just happened, it's, it's treatable, and it's, it, it can be, he can, he can live with it. But if it's, if, it's, if it's been happening before, then it could, it could, be, it could be bad. So um, anyway, be praying for him. And uh, Karen is doing okay. Derek, her son, is with her. Been there every time I've been there. I've checked on him a couple times, and I'll probably go back up again tomorrow at some point. Um, but it's it's uh, it's it's really serious. So p- please remember them in your prayers uh, when you go to bed tonight, and uh, and ask for obviously for healing, but also for God's will to be done. Uh, Dodie's son is okay, right? Ryan, Dodie, yeah. Dodie Williams. Yeah. Uh, Dodie, we're. Shouting at your son here. Yeah. I think he's okay, as you mentioned. Surgery went well. Yeah, right. Yeah, they were blasting kidney stones. Right. And Vicki um, Lance, yeah. her, her, they got her kidney stone out too, so she's okay. Uh, Marty Luffman had a pretty bad car wreck a few days ago. Uh, then when he got home, he fell. Then he had to go back into the hospital. Now, he just got out of the hospital today, and uh, he is going to need some food support. Now, we, we typically, uh, we, we kind of made a policy to not do meal trains within the church anymore. Uh, we, we just, we try to, to talk to people individually and do it that way. Uh, but a friend of his has set up a meal train, a non-Parkway meal train. And, he, and uh, he, they ask us if we would communicate it to the church, so we have. So if you'll go on Facebook, go to your email and look at that. And if you could, they're, they're, on, we're only, they're only asking for one, one meal from four to six, I think, for two weeks because... <clears throat> to, to, I, think, I think what he told me was, was that he had to promise the doctor that he would not get up and move around a whole lot if he would let him go home. And so that's, that's the deal. So he, he, can't, he can't get out and do a whole lot for two weeks. So, that's the, so he needs meal support for that. 
Uh, Rita Smith, as far as I know, um, is okay. Yes, Jeannie. Yes. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah, Judy reminded me of something very important. He, he, not too long before this wreck happened, he had some oral surgery on his mouth, and so his mouth is not completely healed. So whatever you take him to eat needs to be, needs to be soft where he can eat it. Uh, Rita Smith, as far as I know, is recovering from, from her surgery she had. I saw um, them at the hospital when I was seeing Bill. And then Ron Coleman is having surgery this coming Friday. I th they think kidney stone related, so remember, remember him. And I think that's, have I forgotten anybody? Y'all help me if I've forgotten somebody. Of course, there's a, a, so many names. I mean, I could read them. I could read names for the next mm -hmm. 10 minutes. Yes, Jim. Yes. Okay. 301. Okay, gotcha. All right. And D. That's right. Okay. <clears throat> right. Okay. Did y'all hear that? Uh, he's only got one kidney, and, and it was only working at about 15%. Uh, so they're, they're talking about having to do dialysis. Uh, and so they don't know <coughs> if... They don't know about the, um, his, his, his lung condition from this past weekend to now. They don't know if, if it's gotten better or worse. And so when you add dialysis on top of regressing in his lungs, it, it's just it's a complicated situation. So they just, it's just, there's a lot of decisions they have to make. So, hey. Um, <coughs> right, but they hadn't gotten worse either, I think, was the deal. There was no change, so, which, which is good that they're not getting worse. So I think they're, they're, still, they're still, still fighting, uh, fighting the whole situation, so I, I don't blame them. Okay, uh, anything else? Anything else? Anything from you? How's Joanna feeling? Healthy baby. She's feeling okay? Good. Yeah? Good. Yep. All right. So are the other the girls excited about having a, a new baby? They are. They talk about it brother almost every or day. Sister. Yep. Yep. Baby in mama's belly. Yep. Good. Every day. That's good. And we, and we look over each week, you know, how big baby is. Do we need to put y'all on a meal train? Or? Avocado, you know, so. Y'all don't yeah. need a meal no, train? No, no, no meal train. Okay. No, no. <laughs> right. Joanna, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, well, let me, let me pray for us tonight, brothers and sisters, and then we'll, we'll dismiss and the choir can, can begin. <clears throat> Father, thank you uh, tonight for uh, a wonderful, uh, enriching night in your word, as they always are, Father. Just, just opening your word and reading your word and absorbing your truth and being encouraged by it or corrected by it or whatever it is, uh, whatever our, our spirit needs uh, when, when we do so, Father, and we, we trust we trust your, uh, your indwelling spirit, Lord, to, um, to, to, to work that process in us, Lord, as, as, we, as we study your word and, and try our very best to be pleasing to you with our lives. Father, we have so many 
needs for prayer in our congregation. Um, Lord, this is just a fallen world and our bodies don't always work the way they're supposed to. And, um, and Lord, we just, we just want to remember the Matthews tonight and, and, and Karen. And, and first, we want to ask for, as I always pray, just as your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, you know, Lord, we, we want healing, Lord, for him, but yet your will be done. And, and I, your, your will is what we always want. Your, your word is very clear. Uh, about us, pray, that, that prayer is supposed to be one of the things that aligns us with your will uh, to help us in this life to, to get closer, to draw closer to you and to understand you more deeply. Uh, Lord, as we study your word and pray to you and, and experience life. Uh, so Father, we, we, we pray for Bill tonight as, as he struggles, Father. And I watched him for a while and been in the room and, and prayed over him and, and been with him, Father, and I just... I know he's hurting and I know he's in pain. And so many times I've been there with family members and friends and it's just so difficult to know. And, and Father, I just pray that you be with Karen and, and be with Bill and Derek and all their family tonight. And I pray that they would just have a real, a real sense of your presence with them and that they would be strengthened by your love and by your mercy and that you would help them to make the right decision uh, in the coming hours and help us as a church family to, to, to stand beside them and to love them and to continue to offer them for prayer and to be there for them. Lord, we, we want to remember um, we want to remember Priscilla tonight as she continues to struggle with her health, Lord, for, for months and months and months. Father, she continues to struggle with her health and dear God, we I know, I know that there is purpose. There is always a divine purpose behind, behind suffering. I, I believe your word is very clear about that, Father. So I pray that you would extend her mercy, extend her peace. Father, I pray that you would continue to be with the, with the people at the assisted living facility, Lord, that extend her care. I pray that you would help our people at Parkway and beyond to write an encouraging note to to go to the window and smile at her and talk to her over her cell phone like we have in the past. And, and Father, again, we pray for healing for her as we pray for all our brothers and sisters, but yet your will be done in her life. And so, Father, we pray for her tonight. We pray for Rita, Lord, that she would continue to recover from her surgery. Uh, and her son, John, that, that he would continue, Lord, to recover from his lengthy illness. Father, we pray for Marty tonight. And, and uh, that, that you would help him to recover, Father, and, and just give him patience. I know Marty's a very active guy, and I know how frustrating it can be to, to, to be hurt and not be able to do the things that you want to do and try to, try to rush things and want to get back to life. Father, I pray that you put a spirit of calmness and patience, patience in him, that he would listen to the doctors. And I, I thank you so much for putting so many people in his life that want to help him and, and organize his care. And so, Father, I, I just I thank you for him and thank you for them and pray that you give him just a, a sense of, of, of patience and, and that he would do what the doctors tell him, Father, so he can get better. Lord, we pray for Ron and uh, his surgery coming up this, this Friday. And I know that um, anytime you have surgery and you just, you don't want to have surgery. And, and Father, I just pray that you, you be with him and keep him calm and that, it would, that there wouldn't be much to this situation, Father, that they would find the problem quickly, 
and be able to fix it and get, get, him, back to, uh, get him back to his life as well. And so, Father, we, we thank you for our church, and I thank you for the people that you brought to us over the past several months and just the joy it is to, to see you continue to work in people's lives the way that you continue to work in our life, Father. We're, we're, we're so excited about, about another Ezer baby uh, coming into the world, Lord, that, that, that we can see grow up and, and be a, a big brother or a big, or little brother or a little sister to, to, um, to Abby and to Hannah. And uh, Lord, just, just to, to watch him or her run around and just be happy and, and just to have a church that loves children and, and that wants to nurture the next generation. And Father, it's just such a blessing because there's so many churches out there that are just downright mean to children. Father, I know it because I've experienced it. And so I thank you for that. And God, I pray that you continue to protect us from division, from inner, from inner dissension and, and opposition from the outside. Uh, Lord, I pray that you continue to help our people to, to, um, to, to eagerly seek the word of God and to your word, Father, and to apply it to their lives and to, to not grow weary uh, in studying and, and, uh, and praying and doing good because in, in time we will reap a harvest, as your word in Galatians says. So, Father, again, I thank you so much for the love that's here in this place, for the, for the leadership we have here that, that, uh, that, that clearly respects uh, their servants here, Lord, and that works alongside of us to, to make sure that your will is done uh, in, in this time and in this place. Father, again, we love you. We thank you so much uh, for this night that we've had, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Yeah. All right. Good night. Thank you, guys. Good night. See you Sunday right here, except there will be a pulpit here. Ha, ha, ha.